Have you ever faced anxiety to the point to where it was debilitating, to where your health was in jeopardy, where you didn't know how to get out of your mess? Well, you're not alone. I have faced similar challenges and I have invited someone who has expertise in this area to help us overcome with clear strategies when we're against the wall. Dr. Robin Graham, what a treat. She has a best-selling book on anxiety called You, Me, and Anxiety, Taking Action Over Anxiety to Enjoy Being You. She has a globally acclaimed podcast at Robin Graham Show, and I can't wait for her to join us in this two-part series on overcoming anxiety, understanding what it feels like to be an introvert in an extroverted business world, and really branding ourselves around our best possible foot forward. Can't wait for you to listen in. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is a call to leadership. We've been talking about life and anxiety and negative self-thoughts. And so we overcome those thoughts. And now we want to run a successful business, but we are introverted. Dun, dun, dun. Now you've talked about this at length. And so I want to broach this conversation with you for our listener who perhaps isn't highly extroverted and have a high level extroversion and they wonder, can I be successful? Can I stand out in the crowd without being the one who is the conversationalist or the life of the party or all these other things that are closely associated with a high level of extroversion? What do you say to that? Well, I say, get your big girl pants on and let's go. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But in reality, being an introvert can be very hard because the world around you is not introverted. The world around us is just screaming with noise and shoulds and do's and have to's. And it can be very overwhelming for people like me or others that are introverts because we just really kind of want to hide in the corner. We don't want to show up every single day. But I will say that being an introvert actually doesn't mean you can't show up. It means that it may be harder to show up and it may be more exhausting to show up. So you may need more rest after the fact. But if you want to grow a business, you do have to be present. And sometimes that can feel really hard, but you can do hard things. We can all do hard things. And I'll give you the example. When I was working on my doctorate, I had to do doctoral project and I had to present it. I was so terrified of public speaking. I couldn't do it. Like physically could not do it. It took me a year off to be able to go back and do it. And I did it well, not the best, but I did it. But what I did in the interim was really retrain my brain and how I thought about public speaking. Because ultimately, you can gradually do this if you set yourself up and take baby steps instead of one giant leap. And that's what it ends up taking for introverts. So it may be that you're afraid to do video to put on social media. Okay, maybe you can go to an in-person networking event instead. But you create strategies to enable you to be able to do this. So maybe you're terrified to go to an in-person networking event. One, you don't know who's going to be there. You're afraid to go by yourself. Two, you don't know what to wear. Three, you don't know who to talk to or what to say to start a conversation. Okay, so instead of letting anxiety and fear hold you back, because that's what ends up happening to introverts, they want to just stay home in their PJs on the couch under a blanket. 
and watch Netflix. Instead, reframe how you're thinking about this event that someone there could really use you in their life. Someone needs your service or your gifts or your talents. Someone is just waiting for you to show up to be able to help them go to the next level. And you can go on Pinterest or Google and say what to wear to a networking event. You don't have to go out and go shopping. Look what other people are wearing. Go to your closet. Find the most comfortable thing that you have in your closet that's similar. The more comfortable you are, the more confident you're going to feel because you're going to feel better about yourself when you're comfortable. You can bring a friend with you. And it doesn't matter if that friend's not in business and you're going to a business networking thing. Go have a drink after. Go out to dinner after. Go shopping after or before. And explain, oh, I brought a friend with me. Because guess what? Your friend may find somebody that they know there too or that could be an asset to them in their life or vice versa. So there's always a way you can do this if you create a strategy as you walk into it. So now, you know, public speaking, okay, you want me to speak? Show me the stage. Now, that doesn't mean that as an introvert and someone who is anxious that I'm not still fearful, you know, I'm trembling a little bit, but it was a choice to convince myself by doing mindset work that nobody in that audience is judging me. They're there to learn from me. They wouldn't have bought that ticket to sit in that seat if they didn't want to hear what I was saying. So when you start to reframe those thoughts, you're able to step into yourself. But here is the key. As an introvert, if you know that you're going to need that time to recover afterwards, block the rest of your day, block the rest of your evening, give yourself that grace. I had a keynote speaking engagement a few weeks ago. I did it. It was great. It was awesome. I needed two days of recovery just from being on, being present, having all the small talk and just the anxiety building up to speaking. And that's okay. We can give ourselves that grace because we're not called to be perfect. We're not called to be on 24 seven. So we can actually block our calendar because we have that capability and we can give ourselves that time we need to just do other things quietly and alone if that's the recovery time we need. So good. Boy, that is so good. What great advice, especially coming from an introvert. So I love the idea of first strategy, you know, set a strategy in place and reframe the thinking to really identify that the true value and purpose of this engagement, for example, the public speaking piece, and then giving yourself the time and grace to recover and recuperate. Some of us, myself included, we love, and someone listening, yes, that's me. We love the big crowds and the big environments, and they're so energizing. But for others, they suck all the energy out of you. And you're like, oh my goodness, I've got nothing left. And my spouse and I are actually on the opposite ends of the spectrum, where she is more introverted and I'm more extroverted. So I'm when we go out, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go meet about 30 people and I'll be back. You want to come with me or you just want to hang out over here with some one of our friends? Like, I'll just hang out with the one friend. And that's totally cool. However, it's interesting. And I've thought of it like this. I've thought of it like the person with a high extroversion, the person with a low extroversion have similar goals. They want to feel safe. And in order to feel safe, not every high level extroversion, but at least from what I've understood, generally speaking, is that they want to set up a perimeter. If you can only imagine a perimeter around a room. And so 
we'll call it a party, or we could even call it, in your case, we'll call it a speaking event. And so the perimeter for the high level of extroversion is, well, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give it all so that I can create this perimeter so people know, hey, I am approachable. I'm someone that can help them. And I am engaged in conversation. So that's the perimeter. The person with low extroversion, or we call them the introvert, would say, I'm going to scan the room. I'm going to prepare all of the details before I even set the perimeter up because I want to make sure that I'm fine-tuning all the different pieces so that when I do set the perimeter up, I'm doing it properly, I'm doing it right, and I'm doing it in a way that makes sure that I don't overextend myself, make sure that I don't say something or do something that I will regret later. Not that the person with high extroversion doesn't do some of this, but it's just a different approach to the same desired goal. I want to feel safe. Plus, the other part about that is that I don't want to put myself in a situation to where I am having to overcommit. Like you said, when I've had an event or some kind of an agreement that I've made to be a part of an extroverted type of environment, if you will, Well, I need time to recuperate because it has a different effect on me than someone else every single day of the week. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I love the podcast is because like I'm having these conversations anyway. I love conversation and collaboration. So it's like, why not just put a microphone up and record them? Because these are great conversations to go from one to many and share with the world. And I've done four or five episodes in a day. And then in that evening, like, okay, let's go do more. That's not everyone. And so that doesn't make it right or wrong. It just makes it part of who you are. And I love how you frame that, that you can overcome these obstacles by understanding your own physiology, giving yourself the grace, and allowing you to step into your genius as you share what you can help people with. And the other part of that is this too. Reframing the thinking around even public speaking. If someone listening is saying, I have a fear of public speaking, as opposed to a podcast, let's just say that as an example. It actually requires more risk to hop on a podcast than it does to speak in front of a group. And I'll explain why. And I'd love to hear your feedback on this. Because when you hop on a podcast, yes, there are some topics that are kind of predetermined based on your expertise. But the line of questioning and the line of conversation, well, that's extemporaneous. I mean, most of this is we're just having a conversation. So you don't know where it's going to go. But if you're going to speak to a group, you have 100% control over that content. You have 100% control over what you share. You have 100% control over your desired influence and your desired exposure, your desired experience that you're creating. So you have much more control in that room than you do with a microphone with two people and thousands of other people listening. Absolutely. And the other thing is that when you do a podcast interview, that content lives on forever, right? I mean, as long as that podcast is in existence, if somebody is playing the hosting, paying the hosting platform, the monthly fee, that is out there forever. So you're right. There is a little bit more risk. I think that for someone who used to be afraid of public speaking, it's a matter of saying to myself, listen, do you want to grow? Do you want to be successful? Do you want to demonstrate leadership qualities? Do you want to reach the masses? And there are only so many ways you can do that. Because if you look at social media, we're only reaching somewhere between 2 and 10% of the people that are following us. So unless you have a million followers, you're not reaching a whole lot of people that are going to buy from you because half of the people that we have are, I shouldn't say half, but a lot of those are bots or their family and friends are not the people that are going to buy from us anywhere. 
So if you have an opportunity to present yourself, and it may be that a podcast is more comfortable for you because you're just sitting on a screen, you're not standing on a stage, you don't have all of these live faces in front of you. But the thing about podcasting is too, you don't really know who's listening. Whereas when you have an opportunity to speak, people can feel your energy, they can see your energy. They just being in the same room together, that proximity builds an emotional connection. And you are on a stage, and I say a stage, it could be a regular floor, but I think you know what I mean. It's you're in front of a group of people and you are the expert. And so you really get to show that you're the authority in your niche or the topic that you're speaking on. The fact that people brought you in means that they trust you. So now these people in your audience are automatically going to trust you. And you have an opportunity to grow, especially if you're in a business position, you have an opportunity to connect with them on a way that now they're going to be in your community forever and you get to potentially have them convert to being clients as well. So there is that, I think, deeper emotional connection. You have the same thing with podcasting, like your audience is more likely to trust me because you had me on your show and you trust me to bring me on versus meeting me at a networking event where there's no mutual connection, right? But I think it's, um, there's so much power to be able to present yourself, your ideas, your visions, your values, your passions, and to be able to serve a group of people if that's what you're being called to do. And so for me, ultimately, it was a choice to, okay, I'm getting these opportunities over and over again. There must be something to that. And it takes a lot of prayer for me to do it. But you know, if God's calling you to something, he's going to equip you to be able to do it. And that's something that I've just had to learn to live with constantly is that, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where this is going, but if I'm being called to it, there's a reason and I know I'll be able to do it. Yeah. So well said. And there's no substitute that when you have that clarity and clarity is power, that clarity of what you must do, why you must do it and how you must do it. Then the mindset goes into, okay, now I'm going to prepare myself to do it. And I'm going to practice and practice and practice. You talked about the doctorate. and When I was working on defending my dissertation, I want to say I practiced at full length no less than a dozen times. And by the time I got to speak and defend, I had confidence that I was able to share as the expert in the room. We call that narrow, very narrow slice of scholarship. No one else in the room as you know, would know as much as you on that very narrow area. So own the expertise and deliver it in such a way that you remind yourself that this is valuable to someone. This is important to someone. This may even be life-changing to someone. It may not be speaking in front of a group. It might be any type of medium where you share your expertise so that you can share the possibilities to solve the kind of problems in your business that no one else can because you are uniquely you and you provide access for others uniquely to a place they can't go without you. That's the nature of your power and your presence. Mm -hmm. And so we must take hold of that, as you had mentioned earlier, as a God-given gift to not hide under a lampstand, mm -hmm. but to let it shine, to let it shine brightly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, Nate, you mentioned branding earlier and when we talk about being a personal brand, if you are a business owner, you are a personal brand. And what that means is that you have the opportunity to control the perception 
that other people have of you. And that's your job because you want them to know what differentiates you, what makes you unique. And so if you're trying to do a presentation per se, or be a guest on a podcast, if you're just trying to regurgitate what you've heard other people say, it's going to be so much harder to do that than tapping into your own values, visions, and passions and speaking from your heart, speaking from your own authenticity and what you stand for is going to be so much easier than trying to speak in alignment with what other people are saying in the world. You want to differentiate yourself. And that's the most beautiful thing ever is that your entire journey has led you right to where you are today. And your journey has been so different and so unique from anybody else's that the people who you serve are the people who are just waiting for you to show up and be there for them. That's a marriage that we can't as humans create ourselves, but because of our journeys, we're able to help them in a way that nobody else can. And I love the way the old scripture, Paul says it to whatever you do, do it with all your heart as if working for the Lord. Robin, so good to have you. Boy, we have to have you back. There's so much more. And uh, I know you blessed someone today. I'm so thankful for you and for your contribution. Well, thank you for having me. It was truly an honor. And if anybody has any questions from anything that we talked about today, I'd be happy to answer any emails. Reach you out. bet. We'll have all your contact in the show notes and find ways that people can connect with you to get more of you. Thanks again for being here, Rob. Well, my friend, we did it. I'm so honored you were able to join me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. Now, this might not be for everyone because you really have to be in a certain place in order to take the kind of steps to level up your leadership. And I want you to be taking steps. And for those of you who feel like you're ready for something like this, there's a place you can go. You can go to our website, greatsummit.com. I'll make sure that's in the show notes, but here's the cool thing that we have. We've got a masterclass. We have all different kinds of events. We even have our leadership club where you can meet other people just like you to go deeper in your leadership journey. You and I will get to spend some time together and really focus on aiming for greatness. I can't wait to see you there. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership.